Have you ever wanted to be bold, to be brave, speak up, take a new path in life, but you wish you had someone to walk beside you? This is A Voice of Her Own, a podcast about our journey to agency, authority, and action. Each week, you'll get inspiration, actionable practices, and support from me and from brave women of all kinds, walking their own path and telling their own stories. I'm Diva. I'm a trauma-informed coach and a doctoral student in psychology. So I know a few things about seeking an authentic life, but I'm still learning too. So join me as we support, encourage, and inspire each other. This is a podcast about showing up. This is a voice of her own. Hey friends, today I had the pleasure of talking to Stacy Ramsauer. Stacy is a somatic sex educator, a holistic perinatal consultant, and a doctoral student in clinical psychology. She combines somatic awareness with ritual and Ayurvedic wisdom, and she has a background in yoga and in movement practices to educate and empower women to As she says, imagine inhabiting your body as a site of power, pleasure, and trustworthy wisdom. Wow. It was bold. It was big. It was powerful. Stacy is an amazing, amazing woman. She has a great quote. Pleasure is the primary motivational force. Pleasure is the impulse for that capacity to create. Oh, gives me goosebumps. You know, when we think of the most fundamental underlying beliefs that keep us from our agency and sense of self as an authority, one of the first things I think about is the belief that we are given from practically birth that our bodies are dirty, that they're shameful, that they are unworthy of love and respect, both from ourselves and from our partners. And I think this belief, which again, you know, is something that we almost don't even notice because it's been a part of our lives since the very beginning is something that keeps us small. It keeps us in cycles of shame and self-hate, and it keeps us people-pleasing and having codependent neediness for approval and external validation. So I'm so pleased that I was able to talk to Stacey about the power of pleasure and the power of women's sexuality and the power of embodiment. Um, we talked about all kinds of things, and it was a frank talk. This isn't what I would say explicit content, but it definitely is frank, and it does discuss sexuality, just so you know. And to be fair, as with nearly episode every episode that I'm in, there is a little bit of swearing. I, um, I definitely have a few words that I say here and there. So just a heads up on that. Stacy and I talked about discovering the pleasure of simplicity in a world of overarching complexity, which I think we're all feeling right now. We talked about internal versus external rituals and energetic orientation. We talked about how the body is primary to our experience of well-being. We talked about how this is the year of saying no and how boundaries are loving even when the boundary is on yourself. We talked about how we discount our creativity in favor of productivity and how to create space so that you can tap into your creative, juicy, delicious self. We talked about outcome-driven sexuality and how that's reflected in our outer lives. And we talked about an embodied sense of yes and no. 
Stacy gave us some ideas about how we can actually understand our own embodied yes and no. Very simple practice that will allow you to know if something's really in alignment or not. And she talked about the energetic impact of blame and resentment. And she describes a ritual to move through that to determine your own needs. It was a big conversation. There was a lot there. I loved every minute of it. And I'm so pleased that you're here to listen to it as well. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with my friend, the amazing, embodied, lovely Stacy Ramsauer. So hey, Stacy, thank you for coming to A Voice of Her Own this morning. I'm super excited that you're here. I'm really happy to talk to you this morning. So welcome, Thank you. welcome. Diva, yeah. this is such, um, it's such an exciting podcast. I'm really honored to be one of the inaugural voices and thank you for the invitation. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I was thinking about this podcast, I thought of you right away because the work that you do to me is so powerful and so deeply embodies what it is that this podcast is about, which is about women's agency and authority and what that allows in terms of action and in the world. So um, I want to get a little introduction from you. But before I ask you about that, uh, I have a question that I love. And I wish that people did this more often instead of asking, oh, what do you do? Uh, yeah. The question is, what's alive for you right now? Mm. Wow. The theme of simplicity has been very alive. And for me, it's inextricably connected to complexity. <laughs> you and I know one another through a graduate program. And complexity is a big part of that. The word, the term, the exploration of what that means. And I've found that the more I cultivate my capacity for complexity, simplicity arises out of that yeah and that has felt probably for the first time in my life really pleasurable for things to be simple oh i love that that actually gave me like goosebumps because <laughs> i i am a i don't know i think from understanding a little bit more about archetypes like the explorer archetype is so strong in me that I tend to say yes to everything and mm. and I'm I'm literally sitting in my closet right now and I can look around <laughs> and see like what does that mean when you say yes to everything you know as opposed to mm. having the things that are like simply presently alive for you and representational of that so yeah ooh that just gave me a little spark <laughs> woo um it's new moon. It's the last new moon of 2022. This has mm -hmm. for me been a really um, challenging year. And I'm wondering if you have new moon rituals that you follow or that, you know, how do you, how do you relate to those cycles? Prior to having children, and I should say prior to having two children, because one was a whole <laughs> different thing. Oh, I funny. had a much more um, external ritual practice honoring particular the new moon has always felt much closer to my my inclinations. Um, I love depths and 
the idea of planting seeds and turning within and having no distraction really fuels my spiritual practice and creative practice. So at this moment in time, I do always honor the the big cycles like full and new moon by making sure I go outside for at least a bit at night and observe the sky. I have a handmade ring that my mother made that has sapphires and pearls. I always wear that. Um, and it's, it's kind of a, just an energetic orientation. So allowing for, particularly at new moon, allowing for a little bit of that, um, underwater feeling, but it's, it's not like drowning. That's not what I mean at all, but just that sort of surrender. Surrender is the word. Mm. Surrender and also that feeling of being surrounded and sort of buoyed by it at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. So um, that's a beautiful image. I love it. I'm a Pisces, so (laughs) speaks to me. Uh, So tell, tell, so I know that there actually, I looked on your Instagram and I was like, wow, she's got like thousands of followers. Um, And so a lot of people do know what you do. But for those who don't, if you could give me just a short intro about um, your work and how you come to it and um, what's exciting for you about that right now. Mm. My work has always operated out of this understanding that the body is primary to our experience of well-being and healing and relationship. And that understanding has come through the disciplines of somatic experiencing and yoga and Ayurveda. I'm really passionate about women in general. Um, I think the female body is the most powerful thing in the universe. (laughs) And so I work primarily with women and occasionally have the pleasure of working with partners, uh, people in relationship, But my own story led me to go into birth work. So I worked as a birth doula for quite a long time. I went on to study like indigenous and traditional postpartum care, Ayurvedic postpartum care. And that expression, that disciplines orientation to women's health, women's hormonal health, emotional health, spiritual health uh, has shaped my life. So I work with women on this spectrum of feeling safe in their own body, sexuality and the role that plays in our experience of belonging, pregnancy, birth, motherhood, the transition and evolutionary portal that that is. I currently work primarily one-on-one. I used to lead a lot of group programs but have not had the bandwidth for that and I don't think most people have either. Um, through the pandemic. I recently decided to stop doing paid birth work and yoga teaching for the sake of reining in some of my life force to tend to my family (laughs) and grad school. I've just reached that point where I'm like, oh, I am not. Yeah. I am not doing that anymore. I I jokingly said that 2023 is going to be the year of saying no. (laughs) 
because I've said yes to so many things and I'm so completely maxed out that I'm like, you have to learn how to do this. You know, boundaries are loving even with yourself (laughs) or perhaps primarily with yourself. It's hard to set boundaries with others if you're unable to do it for yourself first. Yeah. And it comes to the simplicity thing for me, when, when I'm experienced and when I am in, in the experience of simplicity, the facts, you know, it just, I've been shown over and over again. I'm more patient with my children. I'm happier pretty much generally in my relationship. There's space for me to wonder and have a creative practice. And that's really, really important to me. And there's just the facts of life. You know, there's so much complexity in my life at present. And I'm, I get so much pleasure out of mothering when I have patience. <laughs> I get so, right. and I know what, what leads to impatience and that's busyness and overcommitment and feeling like overextended. So, yeah. 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 I think uh, one thing that's been really obvious to me in the last period of time is that I love being creative. I discount my creativity in favor of my to-do lists. And that is no longer serving me at all Mm -hmm. because the creative part of me wants to rise and it's always knocking on the door. So I get sidetracked from my to-do list. So it ends up being neither one of those aspects of my being gets really fulfilled. So I am trying to make intentional time for creativity. And that means saying no to other things. It means like cutting out things that I like, I enjoy, I might want to do in the future, but I just, like you said, need to find space within myself for the things that are really important right now in this season. Yeah. And that I think gives women like us who have a lot of passion and a lot of interests and a diversity of needs to fulfill some comfort is knowing that like, this is what I'm doing right now. And all the other options are available when I'm ready, when it's time, when, you know, the stars align as they say, but I, I really have to focus on that myself that like, this is not forever. Right. Right. For as long as it's working and until, you know, certain other things change, let's just look at the facts. My kids need me X amount of hours a day. Yeah. I and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I need me X amount of hours a day. There are only X amount of hours in the day. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what women want to do, you can't yeah. turn it into 25 hours. Oh, God. Yeah. Can you imagine? No, that would be awful. (laughs) Uh, Okay. One thing I wanted to ask you about um, that I think is a part of your work that is really exciting to me is I feel like there's a really important connection between women's pleasure. And I use the word political, but I don't mean it like Democrats, Republicans. I mean, the larger sense of political, like women's place in the world. And I am curious as to how you would characterize the connection between women's pleasure and their ability to have agency and authority in their own lives. Hmm. Well, pleasure is the primary motivational force 
it is it is what enables us to create whether that's you know creating a business creating a meal creating a family creating a friendship creating a new way of living in the world pleasure is the impulse for that capacity to create and there's so much bitterness and blame present in our world at the moment that is like the lowest possible it's like the most disempowering energy and i mean that from like a i mean that from even a musculoskeletal perspective that it just is like the fastest way to disempower a system and so the role of women's pleasure I think is the healing force our world needs because it's the energy to get up and go and like meet the needs of others. There is a, I think a human inclination toward, toward uh, I'll use the word work, although I think that could probably be better, but maybe it is creation. And when we don't have a sense of curiosity, excitement, even, you know, pleasure is partially receptive. It's not only acting outwardly, but it's receiving input, feedback from whatever it is we're engaging with. If we don't have that, we're not in relationship. So there's no hope for us <laughs> Right. otherwise. Yeah. There's nothing clearly happening when we're antagonizing one another. Nothing happens when we are opposed to one another. You know, this culture that we live in here in the United States, definitely, I think because of our Puritan roots, has a real <clears throat> negative connotation to pleasure. You know, um, my partner and I used to joke that the attitude is, you know, if you're happy, you're not working hard enough. <laughs> um, and I know that one of your offerings has been um, to teach women how to engage with their own pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I'd love it if you talk about that a little bit. And I also wanted to ask you, um, this year you've offered through, I, I've seen your offerings on Instagram um, doing vulva mapping. And I wondered if that's something you're still offering, because I know that the algorithm of Instagram did not like those words, which I think is very indicative of yeah. our relationship to pleasure in this culture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could have a whole conversation about that. Um, the culture around pleasure, I think the worst part of it, I think largely... Well, I can't say that. I'm, I'm really speaking from my own perspective. I was lucky enough to be raised by a mother who never shamed me for taking pleasure in my body. And talk frankly with her about sex and ask questions. And she's taught me a lot now that I am mothering about just how to hold that space. Um, and I am probably the most grateful to her for that 
because it's opened up so much in my own life. I don't feel like I ever had to overcome this idea that pleasure is wrong or even sinful. And I was raised Catholic, so there's plenty of opportunity for that <laughs> to sneak in. But truly, I think the more insidious thing is the teaching that it should all be in secret and that you should hide it and that it's not something that you show or share. And I'm not saying like, you know, I have a little boy who both of my children at this point, their ages, like if their pants aren't on, they're instantly touching their genitals. So it's like, maybe we don't do that while we're sitting on the couch and there's other people in our home. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not the same thing as don't you do that. That's for, you know, sort of like silencing it, shutting it down, sending it into the bedroom. It's like, there's more nuance to it than that. And I don't think we're very good at nuance. And that's the puritanical um, teaching that's really embedded deeply in our culture is like, it has to be one thing or the other. We can't hold nuance. Yeah. Because great... I actually think I've become a little bit more of a prude <laughs> since I became a <laughs> somatic sex educator. There's so much that I'm like, wow, this is so sacred and it's not for everybody. And it's not, you know, this is a powerful force that I take better care of. And I haven't always, and I don't really have a lot of regrets, but like certainly, certainly not all of it was from a place of self-respect. And yeah. there's, it's just nuanced. Yeah, no, I, I feel that because I, I also was raised to, by a woman who, you know, gave me the great gift of, um, making clear that sexuality is mine. Like it's something mm. that I own, but even still, you know, even being raised that way, I look back and I don't have any regrets either, but it's curious to me how we give away this gift and this power so easily yes. without recognizing what it really is that we own, that we own just by being female, just by having a female, by having a vagina. Yeah. That there's something innately powerful and sacred about that that we throw out to the wind like it means nothing. And I I wonder what your opinion is about how to strengthen that um, understanding. I know that's something that falls in your wheelhouse for sure. Well, the talking about it, I mean, I've learned through the practice of teaching and I am also a holistic pelvic care practitioner. I work inside the female pelvis, the internal tissues. I've witnessed over 40 births. I've, you know, I'm aware still how awkward it feels to engage with my own female body and my own genitals with others as an idea, right? Like the thought of it, I'm like, isn't that weird? Mm -hmm. Isn't that wrong? Like, should we be doing this? And mm -hmm. without fail, every single time I have engaged, there is like this wave of gratitude and relief. And like, that was the most normal fucking thing I've ever done. And why aren't we doing this all of the time together? Mm. We cannot even conceive of how normal and necessary it is to care for our bodies together to learn from each other to like you know the realm that i've spent a lot of time in is birth and i'm sickened by the amount of people who still believe midwives are crackpots right 
yeah. when doctors are helping women, when that is categorically untrue. Oh, that's like, that is, we could literally do an entire podcast episode. We could probably do a season on that. Yes. Um. <laughs> and I do want to clarify. I do want to clarify. There is, I'm not saying all medicine is bad. I'm not saying all doctors are bad. I am saying midwives are fundamentally necessary to women's health. And the, the, if you go on any midwives website or research midwives, in contrast to medical professionals, the, the statement that describes midwives is they follow the natural pattern of birth. Mm. In essence, midwives believe that your body is capable of doing this inherent thing and they follow the natural path of birth and a woman's choice. Now, tell me what's weird or wacko about that. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, you're preaching to the choir because I, I, was, birthed, <laughs> I was birthed at home by a midwife. <gasps> I so, didn't know that about you. That's yeah, so yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I'll tell you, this is something that I thought you would really appreciate because I saw you had um, something on the connection between birth and orgasm that mm -hmm. you had written about or spoken about. And I thought, oh, this is so interesting because I remember my mom telling me that for her, birth was like one long orgasm. That's how she related to it. Not that it was inherently pleasurable at every moment, but that the the feeling of birthing mm -hmm. was akin to the feeling of orgasm. And, and that was how she related to it. And I remember when she told me that, I thought, wow, that's weird. Like, that's gross. <laughs> that's like gross. You know, I was probably like 11 and I was probably like, ew, um, TMI. But in reality, you know, when we become familiar with our bodies and start to recognize the power of our bodies, those conversations make sense. Somewhere, mm -hmm. even the, the most prudish person knows that somewhere inside they can feel that, um, that sense of like, oh, there's something there. There's something mm -hmm. there that we keep trying to push under the rug. But in fact, the idea that a midwife would be a good thing the idea that a woman's body can give birth, like it's crazy talk to think that that we're even having that conversation. Women yeah. and midwives have been doing this for thousands and thousands of years together. Yeah. And that was always the source of medicine and healing. And it's, I mean, again, it's, we could go on and on. So without going too deep into that specific rabbit hole to your point about this, um, correlation between birth and orgasm there's something there for me about capacity for sensation oh interesting and i think that most most of us and largely women you know most women i know have been brought up to be a little bit afraid if not a lot afraid of both their body and making too much noise having a good time expressing what they want, what they think, but also like to be afraid of sex and the opposite sex. Mm -hmm. And this restraint, this withholding, this tightening, literally hardening of our tissue, this like protective instinctual action of gripping in the thighs and the pelvis, the belly, all of that is going to have a numbing effect or even create pain when we are experiencing 
sensation in the pelvis and the genitals. And so one thing that I especially love about pelvic work, whether it's doing your own self-massage, vulva mapping, vaginal mapping, or receiving touch, it gives the opportunity for titration to meet Mm -hmm. that resistance that's there and to understand where it's coming from so you can work in a respectful way with your own body. Because there's so much energy, and I've talked about this before, but in a sexual scenario, even masturbation, most of us are working towards an outcome, let's be honest. Right. There's so much momentum. There's so much adrenaline that it's not necessarily the best time. Not that it can't happen, but it's not the the best time to start this kind of investigative work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, one of the things that I think is uh, a really interesting way. So let me back up. So one of my favorite psychologists is David Schnark, and he wrote a book called Mm, The Sexual Crucible, and he wrote a book called Passionate Marriage. And and he passed away not all that long ago. Um, and he actually was one of the mentors for uh, Resma Menachem, which I think is pretty interesting because I think somatic educators understand the connection between sexuality and the way that we present in the world. And I don't yeah. mean that in the obvious, like, yes. hey, do I look sexy today? David Schnark's concept was that our sexuality reveals who we are that our, the way that we interact in the sexual realm shows us all of the issues we have in the rest of our life. Yes. All of the, all of the things that we hide, all of the things that we, um, that are contracted, as you said. And I, I love his work for that because I found it to be absolutely true in my life. And one of the ways that I see that is that we get so conditioned for the expectation of outcome and you see that in sex all the time. People are like, did you come? I want to make you come. You know, yeah. the, the the focus on the orgasm is if that were the point of the exercise, as opposed to the self-knowledge, the interaction, the intimacy, all the other things that, you know, now we sort of look at as a byproduct when in fact we've got it backwards. And <laughs> that that idea that there's this outcome that we have to work towards and if we don't reach it, then we f- fucked up is something that we take out into the world and we do it with every project, our creative endeavors, our relationships, our work life, the way that we look at capitalism, you know, that it, it always has to be more and it always has to have some point yeah. as opposed to being an exploration or a way of meeting life with curiosity. And if you meet your sexuality with curiosity, it's like you can have, you can actually practice all of these things that seem like they would be scary if you did them in public you can practice them in private. You can practice being the person that you want to show up in the rest of the world, even if it's just you alone in your room by yourself. When we I'm, have I'm a little, I'm a little passionate about it. So I get a little like, well, let me tell you a thing. <laughs> when we have this transcript, I'm just going to copy paste that and put it on my website. <laughs> <laughs> I've always felt the, I mean, my, bringing sexuality into my work. I was a yoga teacher for a long time and I started talking about genitals in class. (laughs) (laughs) And it just occurred to me, you know, not on my own. I certainly have had plenty of teachers, but also on my own, just quite naturally, 
this is so basic to our being. And it started, my awareness started with just my experience of being in a body and then understanding the energetic structure of our body through yoga and the chakra system. If, as long as we're alive, right? There's food, there's shelter, we're alive. The next most basic fundamental thing to our being alive is sexuality, sexual desire. And that's not the desire for penetration. Mm -hmm. That's not the desire to have an orgasm. That's des desire to know through sight, through smell, through touch, through taste. What is this life? Is this for me? Is this not for me? Do I want mm -hmm. that? Do I not want that? It's Love entirely that. basic to what you said, how we move through the world. It's movement. All right, it's time for a shout out. So a shout out for me is something that I love, I use, I appreciate. I it could be a person, it could be a product, it could be something that I am an affiliate for, but most of the time it's not. It's just something great that I want to share with you. So today it's Nurigan. Nurigan is a family-owned artisanal CBD producer. They're amazing. They produce super high quality CBD products and they use a very clean CO2 extraction process. They make it in small batches so you never have anything that's sitting on the shelves. It's all fresh. It's um, an excellent customer service, excellent rewards, rewards program. We love their products. We use them for pretty much everyone in our family uses it. And let me explain. I'll break that down for you. I have been um, dealing with anxiety, oh, probably, I mean, probably for a long time, but I've been cognizant of it for about the last six years. And I use their broad spectrum CBD tincture for that. And also for when I have muscle pain from typing, because I'm a grad student and I spend a lot of time typing. So my partner is somebody who deals with insomnia. He is a former service member who served overseas. He uses Neurogan CBD gummies for his insomnia, and it's super helpful. We have two elderly horses, and one has navicular, and they both have the joint pain associated with aging. We feed them the Neurogan horse hemp pellets to manage their pain. It's really effective and it doesn't have any side effects and I don't have to worry about any liver damage like you would with ongoing use of NSAIDs. So we also give the pet tincture, CBD tincture to our elderly lab who has hip issues and it helps her manage her pain. Same thing, no bad side effects, only good ones. So I highly recommend Neurogan. I love their products. They're super, um, again, like super responsive, great customer service. I asked them if I could use a referral code for anybody who was interested in trying, and they were super responsive. So if you'd like to get 25% off your first order, you can use the coupon code Equinox25. 
Equinox, like Equinox Equestrian Coaching, which is my business. So Equinox 25, use it at checkout, get 25% off your first order at neurogan.com, N-E-U-R-O-G-A-N.com. And let me know if you try it and what you think, because I, I live in Humboldt County. So the cannabis culture is something I've known for ages and uh, I'm not really somebody who uses and I've never really been impressed. And Narragan has been a big boost to all of us in terms of our health and well-being. Okay, that's a shout out. Mm. Tell me about, I know that one of the things that you give your clients is a better understanding of an embodied sense of yes and an embodied sense mm -hmm. of no. And that's what that makes me think of what you yes. just said. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Of course. This is one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what, yeah, this is really central to the way that I work with women. Getting over this misunderstanding, which again is part of the culture we've inherited, that there is one way to do this life. There is one way that is better, particularly in the realm of sex. I mean, it, it applies everywhere, but there is no one way things are supposed to go. If something is supportive of your life force and is in service to life, that's a yes. And the way that we know that in our body is viscerally. It's, it's the visceral experience of salivation, of feeling uh, the capacity for movement and impulse to move towards something or the impulse to move away from something are body's natural mode of being, what is necessary for our survival is movement. And so I often think of yes, as that mobility, the mobilization of our system towards a healthy outcome. And certainly, you know, we could get into the weeds here about how our nervous system responds to things and what is healthy, but no, when it is a no, when we're talking about something that is like not for me, how do we know if something is not for us? Often there's a contraction or a stunting or a restriction of our life force. It's not that no is a frigid answer. It's right. more that if you, <clears throat> if you want to be able to discern whether or not something is no for you, you'll sense a contracting, a freezing, a rigidity, an aversion in your body. It's visceral. It's visceral. Yeah. And I think, I mean, one of the things that I'm really aware of is how often we override our own nose, right? I mean, that's a conditioning, especially as women, maybe particularly as women mm -hmm. that we received from very early on, for example, go hug your grandpa. Like, I don't want to hug grandpa, like gross. Uh, no, do it anyway. So your no, you get told early on that your no is meaningless. And this is part of the having agency in the world to me, right? Uh, your yes. ability to say no is part of your ability to say yes, because yes doesn't mean anything if you don't have a no. Exactly. So So now it's time for the takeaway. 
The takeaway is an actionable practice that you can take out in the world as you journey forward. It's something that could be, should be, hopefully will be of use to you. It's a practice. It's not something that, you know, maybe you're going to master right away, but possibly you could. It could be something that will really, even today, you could start and you'll see results from it, something that can help you on your journey. And today's takeaway is coming up. So um, what are, is, do you have some specific practices that if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking about like, oh, overriding, no, yeah, I do that. Like, no, I don't want to make dinner. No, I don't want to stop by the store. No, I don't want to have sex. No, I, I don't want to go do X and Y this weekend. No, I'm not going to take on that project for work. Like those are all things that are so challenging to say as a woman for so many reasons. And how is there a practice that somebody listening could do in a small way, in a titrated way to learn when that no is present? Yeah. I mean, there's, I just want to say too, there's like a lot of room for nuance in there. Part of the conditioning, I, I want to just touch on this for a hot minute. Part of the conditioning that all of us receive when we're young, what makes it often troubling is that we don't have the cognitive capacity to to get like i don't want to do this thing why is it important that i do it anyway mm. right like there's room for yes. i don't yes, want to go to the you. store but i fucking have to i have to feed my family like right, I right. Need to yeah. go now. like there's room for overriding a no when our no is just like Meh, which yeah yeah <laughs> let's be real i just don't want to but there's also something really critical about understanding the relationship between yes and no. When you say yes to anything, you're saying no to something else. Mm. When you say no to something, you're saying yes to something. So if there's a big no, and I think, I think a really important conversation is like, what if you're a no for sex? I mean, feeling pain in the body, having, I'm, I'm certain everyone listening, just, you know, giving, giving room to listen to the level of your capacity in this moment, like that feeling of just wanting to like crawl away, you know, wanting to move away from the touch. That's clearly a no when your body starts to do it for you or there's kind of a level of just not participating. And this could also be applied to other things, not just physical intimacy. Like when you're just almost being taken along for a ride, you're like not there. And it's in those moments that just stopping, just pausing, creating a pause in the action, all of it, to center a breath to feel the facts of what's going on and to speak it. And this is, you know, this is real next level challenge for a lot of us. Maybe we can't speak what we want in the moment. Maybe we're not there yet. Maybe we can't speak exactly the feeling that we're having and why we want to stop. 
just being able to say, I want a pause. Mm. I need a pause. Can we take a break? Would you hold me for a moment? I need to take a breath. And that is so powerful, Stacy. Like I uh, think it's important to say, I just want to say this one thing. Yeah. Clearly I'm speaking about consensual relationships in this moment. So I want to honor that. Yeah. I I am I was thinking that the pause one, like that's so powerful. And and side note, when you're speaking about this, I can feel so much um I'm not sure what the word is, but it's very comforting listening to you talk about this. For me, it sounds like, oh, like there's a, there's something about the way that you speak about it that lends like an almost ease or inclusivity or this is available to you. Like, mm-hmm. like there's probably yeah. people who are like, it never occurred to me that I could say, I need a moment. Yeah. Totally. Um, I had a client, I'll never forget. She was like, it never occurred to me that this could be for my pleasure. Wow. Yeah. We were talking about, you know, she has two small children and finding her way back to intimacy with her partner. And, and I think that's, um, for me, that's one of those realizations that like once you're awake to it, you never lose it. (laughs) You can't unsee it. You can't unsee that. I also think, and I think it's important just to honor in terms of the honoring what you're saying about nuance is that there's something very pleasurable about giving to others. And that's an intrinsic part of, you know, I can only speak as a cis woman, like that's, that's my identity. So um, I don't want to say for all women or for all people, but I think that the, the quality of pleasure of giving to others or the pleasure of giving others pleasure is something super intrinsic. And I think, you know, now as we get into a little Mm -hmm. bit more neuroscience, we're seeing mirror neurons and other things that make sense to us that that's the case. So it's not to say that if the pleasure isn't for you, that it's bad, but it's just to say like, it's also possible for it to be entirely about you this time. Yeah. Yeah. There's these quadrants in the wheel of consent, this really beautiful tool. Um, developed by primarily Dr. Betty Martin, the wheel of consent, there's doing, the action of doing, and then having something done to you. So I can touch you for my pleasure or be touched for my pleasure. I can touch you for your pleasure or touch you for my pleasure. And it's, it's important to recognize the way that we are habituated to be in relationship to our pleasure Mm. and honor the possibility of expanding that, especially if we're running into relational challenges or, you know, our relationship isn't taking shape the way we would like it to, or we're experiencing pain with sex or anorgasmia. I mean, there's lots of ways to have an orgasm, but if you're just unable to, that's something to investigate. Mm -hmm. It's not that that's always the goal, but it certainly is a wild and wonderful experience to have in this human body. And it's, it's more about the inquiry. 
I think when I work with women around sex, sexual pleasure, it's more often about what we were talking about earlier, the ways that it shows up in our everyday ordinary interactions because sex itself can and should evolve. The sex I'm having today looks a lot different than the sex <laughs> I was having when I was in my twenties. Yeah. And, and again, the cyclical, like the seasons of your relationship. And that doesn't yeah. mean that you start on one end and it's a continuum to the other end and then you both die and that's the end. Like there are <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> right. Like marriage is two people asking each other, what do you want for dinner until one of you dies? It's not like <laughs> that makes me laugh every time I say it. Uh, but it's like there are cycles and seasons within your relationship where you're oh, yeah. peaked and where you're troughed and your peaks and troughs don't always meet. And just recognizing I used to think I swear to God, in my 20s, I thought if I hit a trough in my sexuality with my partner, I was like, well, it's over. Yeah. Like, well, well that's stop. it. It must be like, you must not be the one, um, you know, and <laughs> learning to be, to be curious about where are we right now instead of imposing some external, well, this is where we were last week. So we totally should still be there. Like, that's not, that's not real. That's Im right. externally imposed. It's externally imposed in so many ways, like so much of the, like sort of the infatuation stage of a relationship is superficial. It's mm. superficial either in the level of connection is pretty superficial or like we're, we're putting on a show for the benefit of the other person so that this relationship stays or continues and deepening intimacy and partnership with a single person, there's like a lot of opportunity for things to be so unsexy and disconnected. <laughs> and so there's that, like, for me, it's been such an incredible opportunity to practice not only transparency, being honest with myself, being honest with my partner, being honest with myself that it's okay, like having compassion for myself that it's okay to not feel it, whatever that it may be, like it's okay. I'm just, I'm not always gonna feel like doing this, doing that, and neither is my partner. So I can't right. take it personally. <laughs> as tempting as it is to as always fall back on as that, it right? is to always find the way that it's my husband's fault. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I want to be mindful of the fact that I know you're teaching a class today, um, or I should say facilitating a ritual. Maybe that's mm -hmm. a better way of putting it. I wonder if you could spend a few minutes talking about what you're going to be doing today because I think it's pretty exciting and then um and then let us know what your upcoming offerings are what you how people can find you I really feel like I am probably going to have to have you back on the podcast because there's so much that we could get into and I'm loving this conversation but I I do want to respect the fact that you um have other things coming up this morning so can you tell me a little bit about the breathing movement and emotional processing ritual Yes, I'd love to. Thank you so much for that. And I am I am happy to come back anytime. Um, so today's practice, uh, I've been I've been using the phrase uh, for 
quite a while with my business, all of you is welcome here. Every bit of you. Usually there's a there's a funny little hashtag that I <laughs> tag on to that. <laughs> yes, even that part. Yes, I love that. I love that. It's such a great phrase to associate with your because it's yeah, go on. Thank you. Um so today's practice, I I really love the season. I love the solstice. My birthday is the 28th. I think there's a lot of intensity that is potent and potable. <laughs> it's important mm. to harness it. And so today's practice is a pretty short ritual, just an hour to make it the most accessible it can be for people. We're going to touch into some breath work and specifically uh, a particular breathing technique that helps to bridge right and left hemispheres of the brain and what that does for our capacity to be with emotional intensity. Uh, we'll do some movement to connect to sensation and ground the nervous system. And then there's going to be quite a primary focus on the emotion of anger. I, I mentioned it briefly earlier, but the sort of energetic impact of blame and resentment is really disempowering. It's really disempowering to our physical bodies and relationships depend on our capacity to co-regulate with one another. So we need to have some physical somatic presence when we're in relationship to anything. But, you know, this time of year, it's complex. There's, there's something potentially very healing about it. And so in the process of ritualizing our experience of anger, which I do with the writing practice and burning the written pages, is it enables a, a relationship to the anger that is clear and honest. So we're not trying to turn the anger into something else. We're not trying to find a silver lining. We're not trying to rise above. We mm -hmm. go into it, into it, feel it, state it explicitly, give it time, give it permission to exist, and light it on fire. I love Notice that. Notice what you see in, in that fire. What is yes. actually necessary? What do you need to say? What do you need to do for your own well-being? And it's, you know, one of the best things about it is that it doesn't take a ton of time. Like so, so often we make excuses not to do practices because it's like, oh, I don't have time. I'm so busy. But like, if you don't have 12 minutes, <laughs> 15, <laughs> like, come on, you've got bigger problems than your in-laws. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I love this because anger gets such a bad rap and, and even beyond the basics, well, anger is telling you that something is wrong. Like there is a primal source of energy for you to access in your anger. And I think that the, the opposite of accessing that source of energy is numbness it's yes. dissociation, it's nothingness, it's entropy, it's 
it's that feeling of, I have no interest, you know, that the primal power that you find in anger is the same primal source of your energetic ability to state that you are alive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm, good I stuff. Know, I know you geek out on neuroscience and Dr. Dan Siegel. <laughs> oh, my mind crush. <laughs> one of my, well, one of my favorite books that um, we've used in our graduate program is The Heart of Trauma. Mm -hmm. And there's this really beautiful chapter about the care system in the brain and our social nervous system. We're wired to orient to one another, to be in relationship to one another. This is fundamental to our existence and our survival. And I read something recently. It, I was like, did I miss this the first time? So the chapter spends a lot of time talking about grief and the relationship between grief and care. You can't grieve something if you don't feel care for it. <laughs> grief shows us what we loved. Mm. But rage, rage is our system's attempt to as quickly as possible renegotiate connection to our person. Oh, can you say that one more time? Yeah. And I'm quoting Bonnie Badnock's book here. Which is brilliant. And I will link to it in the show notes because it it's such a source. Brilliant. Yeah. Rage is our system's attempt to as quickly as possible reestablish connection with our person. And That's I think this is so important. There's so much out there about anger and particularly female anger about like, it shows you where your boundaries are crossed and there's still this element of like blame in it. Mm -hmm. And it's such a different thing to recognize rage as I feel disconnected from you and I want to be connected to you. And, and I feel disconnected from myself and yes. I want to be connected to myself. And so in a that way I can, that doesn't feel I, safe. Yeah. I mean, and I can't accurately connect to you if I don't know where I am. Mm. Right. Yeah. That I, I will say that that one of the things that that book has really impressed upon me is that the relational piece is where we learn. It is the source of our learning and our growth is always in relation to others because we're mammals. Yeah. We're mammals. That's how we work. Yeah. Oh, this has been such a privilege to have this conversation with you. I'm super excited for your ritual today. Um, it's we're up on the hour and I just, would love to know where can people find you? What are you offering coming up? Um, I will definitely put links in the show notes. Um, but just for somebody who's listening right now, if they want to find out what's going on with you, what should they do? Thank you. Uh, my website is my name, stacyramsauer.com. And you can learn about the services I'm currently offering and set up a consult with me if you're curious. I offer free consultations. Um, I am pretty much solely active on Instagram in terms of social media. I do use Instagram quite a lot and occasionally offer free things, free classes, um, short, simple paid classes like I am today. I have a podcast also, which is called mm -hmm. the Sacred Body Podcast. 
Mm-hmm. And you can find that on all of the podcast listening platforms, but that's um, something that when I have time is one of my favorite things to do. And this this conversation this morning was such an honor, a privilege for me as well, Diva. Thank yeah. you. Oh, I love it. And I wanna say that the last episode that's current on your podcast is about goals. And I think that since a lot of people get excited about setting goals, it's the new moon, it's the new year, that that's a great place to start with your podcast. Thank you. Yeah, it was a super fun conversation. Jackie has been a mentor of mine the last season, and I loved that conversation. Ooh, one thing I want to mention before we go is that I get your newsletter, and I have really enjoyed it. So I think that's another thing that people can do if they're wanting to find out more about you because I I love it. Every time it shows up, I'm like, oh, it's Stacy. Oh, that's great. You know? Thank you. <laughs> I didn't know you got my newsletter. That means a lot to me. Yeah, the newsletter yeah. I love. I send if I'm, you know, if I have something coming up, I'll send a few more, but typically it's like two a month. Yeah, it's perfect. I love it. I love it. Okay, Stacy. I'm um well, I will do say the the you know the circle is open but remains unbroken because I feel always connected to you, and so I hope that your new moon ritual is beautiful. And thank you again for being with me this morning. Thank you, Diva. Yeah, lots of love, Stacy. Take care. Hey, friends. Thank you again for joining me on a voice of her own. I hope that this episode was useful, that it was inspiring that it sparked something in you that you can take out into the world. And if you want to hear more episodes or you want to sign up for our newsletter so you never miss one being released, head on over to www.avoiceofherown.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can get all the show notes. You can uh, get all the links to everything we talked about and any promotional things that I have going on. So again, thanks for joining us and take that out into the world and be your badass self.